Hey folks, this is Dr. Rob, and welcome to Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction, a podcast brought to you by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs and hosted by me and my sidekick, Tammy. Say hi, Tammy. Hi, Dr. Rob. Thank you. Our show provides useful answers to your most asked questions about cheating, betrayal, and addiction. Let's get started. We've got bunches of questions, so let's get started. I have been sober as defined by SA.org for the past 10 months. That's awesome. I betrayed my wife through use of pornography and the lies and deceit that surround keeping that secret for the last 13 years of our marriage. No physical or emotional affairs or chat rooms. I attend regular meetings through SRH, that's sexandrelationshiphealing.com. Thank you for uh, mentioning that. We have drop-in groups, et cetera, and talk to guys in group almost daily. I have been in a 12-step program for two months and I have a sponsor. My wife is pursuing a divorce as she needs it in order to heal from the unhealthy things that I don't see the rest of this one. So, but my thought is all you can do is take care of you. What your wife chooses to do or not do is up to her. And I know we've had clients who have been served divorce papers and treatment. So it's one of those things where, and then they met, they navigated and they are still together, um, eyes wide open. So, so I think that there's always, um, more to the story, but if that's the path that your wife needs to pursue for the moment, that's the path she needs to do. All you can do is take care of you because I can guarantee if you don't, it won't get better. Like there's no hope of anything if you don't. So any comments? I just wanted to say, well, just that I, this isn't your average situation where a couple hasn't been getting along forever and they decide to divorce or one person, you know, decides to go be with someone else. This is a really troubled, painful, confusing time for spouses. And for some of them, it's like sleeping in the other bedroom. For some of them, it's like, I want to separate our bank accounts and I want a divorce or I want a separation. I don't know that the motivation behind either one of them is that different. It's, I want safety. I want to know that I'm being taken care of since you weren't looking out for me in the past. It doesn't necessarily mean this relationship is going to end or even that it's going to end in divorce. But I think it's it's important to be very, I try to be very compassionate toward the spouses. You know, uh, you love him. Don't divorce. You love someone and you still need to take care of yourself. So um, we just don't know the jury is not out. Um, and I think that's often the case in our world compared to out there where people say, I'm getting a divorce. And they do. Um, Go ahead, Tim. I hope that okay. was helpful. Next question. Hi, Dr. Robin Tammy. I'm the SA. Discovery was seven months ago. Formal disclosure was one month ago. I am working with a therapist and attending SAA meetings. My husband and I also started attending couples counseling. We are both doing good individual work, but what system program or therapy modality do you suggest we utilize for healing our relationship? Is there a comprehensive approach you recommend? Well, um, I think I could recommend some. I think Tammy could recommend some. But what I see in this uh, question doesn't kind of warrant that. And what I'm seeing is um, formal disclosure was a month ago. So to me, you're just beginning as a spouse to come to terms with what you've heard. And I would imagine for a while, there's going to be anger and hurt and frustration. And at this stage, what I often expect from couples right after disclosure is still more you've ruined my life, I hate you, and I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to hurt you, and please forgive me. I think you guys would need a little bit more time, maybe 90 days, to be with your individual work and your support groups to work on 
kind of getting ready for the next step. And I don't, you know, at, I know couples that aren't speaking after disclosure. I know couples that are holding hands. You know, I think it's just a process. But I think to jump into what the, your need is as a couple is premature. Because your need may be about intimacy. It may be about sexuality. It may be about parent. I mean, who knows what will actually show up when you're ready to do it. So write me back, right? This is Tammy at SeekingIntegrity.com. We will help TAMI. We will help you find a couples therapist who does this work. I just, for me, it feels a little early. But Tammy, I think there's some books that we know of that they might want to read, like the the. Uh, well, you know, well, that's sexual reintegration. So like, I'm yeah. not sure that that's the issue. So, so there's some great books. You'll find them under the resource tab on sex and relationship healing.com. But it sounds like you already have a, a couples therapist because it says we're both doing good individual work um, and, and, and we attend couples counseling. So, no, it's, oh, okay. Yeah. It, yeah. So, part. so what I am, I, I think that there will be things, I think you will feel like these are some stuck points. Maybe it's communication, maybe it's navigating, you know, maybe it's understanding the boundaries, you know, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I, it sounds like you're in that process. So as I think a really good couples therapist is going to use a lot of modalities. It isn't as linear as do this, 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 you know? So I suspect if you both are doing your good individual work and then working with a good couples counselor, you know, they will be able to help you um, both individually and as a couple navigate, um, you know, well, like now we're having a little trouble with, you know, um, uh, like I said, communication, it may be, you know, we're, you know, he says this and I go, oh my gosh, I want to run, you know, how do I stay emotionally present? You know, so um, it's complicated, but I don't think there's any right. one modality that you go do it this way and it's all going to be good. Well, now that I heard that part, I just, I agree with you about modalities, but I think you have to have someone who's truly trained in this work because yes. you, someone says, oh, cheating, blah, blah, blah. They don't understand what we're really talking about. And it, and also I don't want them judging spouses, you know, in a codependent way. I want them working from a pro-dependent stance, which is, you know, you know, this is not your fault on any level to the spouses. So um, I, I absolutely think, as Tammy said, their approach is le almost less important to me than who they are and their ability to help you negotiate through this situation. Uh, I'd leave the approach up to the therapist. Um, yeah. Hopefully that will be. Well, and a couples counselor, the client is coupleship. It's not either of you, it's the two of you. So, so as long as you are both feeling supported in that, um, and sometimes it's going to be, well, it feels like, you know, he's taking, you know, my side or that side. Yeah. But if you both are in it for the relationship, then at the end of the session, hopefully you're going, yes, I can see how this would benefit our relationship to be able to move forward. I want to say one more thing about a couple's therapist is that um, first of all, to you folks who are new, couples therapy initially is not really that helpful because there's so much anger and hurt when you first start. And you may already be in couples counseling, but you really need your own support at that point. So um, I just want to mention that uh, early on, this would these people have done discovery. They've done a disclosure. They are working with therapists. They are going to 12-step meetings. They are pre prepared for this situation to grow. And that's very different, actually, Tammy, to say it than some people who call us and they're in the woods. So, but good guys, good work, guys, for being at this place, doing this. I mean, all that stuff. You're going down the right road, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree. So, 
Um, Dr. Rob, seriously, do you think that there are many men who are not into porn? Why have I not dated one or had a relationship with one of these men? All of the men I've been in relationship have used porn and tried to keep it secret. Okay. I think these are two different issues, right? Do, do I think that, do I seriously think that our men are not into porn? I would say that many, many, many men are into porn. And the problem with finding out how many is that we will lie. So if you put us on a survey, oh no, I don't look at porn, but you know, the truth is we do. Um, I don't know the percentages, but I would say it's well over 80%, maybe 85 of men who look at some kind of pornography, whether it's a magazine, you know, whatever it is. I'm not saying that they're compulsively doing it or they're lying about it, but I just think that many, many men, I mean, we are visual. That's how men are built. We like new stimulation. So, you know, this is why, by the way, not personally and not related to sex addiction, we like strip clubs. We like porn because we can look at it and we like visual and it's new all the time two things that really appeal to us so um i wouldn't say that you're i would say you're very unlikely to be involved with a man who hasn't looked at or doesn't occasionally look at porn uh, however the question is really more the secret part that's the part i don't want if you look at porn occasionally or it's part of your life and you're not an addict you know unless there are spiritual or religious or very personal moral reasons that i don't want you to do that in my marriage it wouldn't be a big deal unless the person were an addict in which case i wouldn't know i wouldn't know how much i wouldn't know what they're looking at and it would freak me out when i found it so again tammy and i talk a lot about trust being the issue and had this spouse said i want to look at porn and you know is i don't want you to find the computer let me know in advance let's talk about it that's a very different situation than the one you're describing. So relationship and porn, yes. Tried to keep it secret, no. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it, it does. And, and I think that it, it's the secret stuff. But I also think, you know, I think it's challenging to be as transparent early on in a relationship, you know, with, I think people are afraid to talk about this stuff, you know, so not being able to have the words to use the communication tools, you know, is what, uh, you know, uh, and shame, you know, and, and not going to get into Western culture and all of this kind of stuff, but, but on some level, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, people don't talk about it. So then all of a sudden you find it and, you know, and you're upset and because it's the secret. So, so yeah, anything that isn't um, free to be discussed, you know, and then gets shame filled and secret, you know, ends up feeling like a betrayal within the relationship. So I mean, I, I want to add to this because uh, I did a survey with Dr. Schneider about this particular issue. And what we found is, is something like 72% of spouses felt cheated on when their partner was looking at porn. Um, they felt like they were being compared to, they felt like they weren't good enough. You know, they felt like this person wanted to be with someone else. Even, you know, it, it brought up a lot of stuff for them. But I doubt that many of those spouses knew that that person was looking at porn at all in advance and that they had talked about it. Um, and by the way, this is how trust is built. You know, I may not want you to know that I look at porn because I want to do it whether you like it or not. But when I think of the relationship first and not me first, the answer is always better. So uh, next question. Hi, thanks again for seeking integrity. If I don't know who my husband's acting out partners were, can I still demand to know their names? My disclosure was a year ago and I still would like to know the names. Tammy, do you want to start with that one? Well, I have, I have feelings about that. So, so I, I have had, I've had multiple partners 
call me and actually one of them, um, uh, the affair partner's name was Tammy. So she had a reaction to me, even though I said, I spell it T-A-M-I, you know, um, because, because of that, you know, so, so like knowing the names, I mean, at some point, I think if it's a, if it was your best friend, a family member, if there's certain people, you know, that you're going to be running into, it is fair to know. But just if it's random people, you will be triggered by every name. And and if you find out the name, are you going to go look for them on Facebook? What, what rabbit hole is that going to take you down? You know, it was bad. You had disclosure a year ago. What I think it's really more important. What is he doing now to rebuild trust? That would be, you know, if you're focused back on a year ago or before, your guys are not moving forward. If you're focused on, okay, how is he showing up that's different and showing integrity and showing honesty? That would be what I would focus on because, you know, then you've got vision for hope for the future. You know, um, so I, that was my thought on that. Yeah, I, I agree with what Tammy said so strongly, which is if this is someone you know, if it is someone in your world, and I don't care if it's the regular grocery clerk at your grocery store or your sister's best friend, if it's someone who is in your world at all, someone in your workplace, whatever, you need to know. And we actually believe that well, that is one of the things I believe you should know before disclosure. Because I don't want you talking to your best friend who is also having an affair with your husband, you know, and you don't know that until disclosure. So this is actually one of the few things I, I absolutely push the the addicts to tell you in advance by the way the other is related to stds and the last one is related to anything that we should worry about if there's an issue with kids um those are the things that i think you need to know right away but if it is you know this can also work not to your advantage i think for partners there's always this little itch it's like what if i just knew a little more i, I would feel better if i just had the answer to that and i think that's kind of a trick we play on ourselves because i've seen so many spouses get all that cell phone information which is what they wanted and then they say well now i want this and so because the what you're trying to scratch isn't really the information it's the lack of trust um i would also say to you that one of my concerns would be is if you're really in a healing process and then you find out these names, you know, I've had spouses. I want to call every one of those women. I want to call their husbands. You know, I want to call his mother-in-law and you were fine. You were doing better, but all of this is in front of you and it stirs up all that stuff. So, but I would absolutely want to be sure it was no one I knew that I think you have every right to know um, a year out and want to know their names mm, feels like a world of trouble <laughs> to me. So the next question, my SA is now in treatment. I have my own history of SLAA and have been sober myself for nine years. Awesome. Walking through D-Day and the aftermath have triggered me in wanting to act out. My SLAA issues come from a history of incest. And now with this trauma, I feel again the desire after years of not. How can I separate addiction and trauma in this as a betrayed partner and addict in recovery? That's a great question. Thank you for asking it before you acted out. And it's a really painful question, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess my response to this is just to explain why we act out. And if we could just go there, and I teach this to the addicts, and I don't even know if I have a podcast on this, but we don't act out just because we're having bad feelings or good feelings or a good day or a bad day. We act out because of the, of the needs, the emotional needs that those feelings generate. 
So if I'm sad, I actually need someone to comfort me. That's an emotional need. If I'm feeling lonely, I might want someone to give me a hug and spend some time with me. That's an emotional need. If I'm feeling down on myself, I might need someone to cheer for me. Another emotional need. So I would imagine that there's a whole lot of needs that didn't get met when you were growing up, if that was going on in your family. And not only the experience of what I went through and you know, the abuse in the past is going to come up, but how do I get whatever needs I didn't get met then? How do I get them met now? And if you're spinning with that and feeling like acting out, my sense is that you really need some people to pour your heart out to. You need some people to hold you. You need to maybe do some, go back and do some more work. Not, it's not a punishment. You haven't done anything wrong. It's just, how could it not come up based on this? How could it not be there for you? And and anyway, so um, I mean the feelings about what's happened. But to me, feelings, and I'll say this to everybody. Um, if I am sitting in front of a hot stove and I put my hand on it, am I going to have a feeling? Tammy will say, yes, you're going to have a feeling. Yes, and what's the feeling? feeling. I'm, and Dang. if I put my hand on the hot stove, it's going to hurt. It, what is the point in the hurting? It is information. That's all it is. The feeling is there to tell me, take your hand off the stove and don't do that again. That's a bad thing. Or whatever, you know, if I would, whatever the need is that gets generated physically, it's the same emotionally. If I'm really sad about my dog passing away and I just want some comfort, I can't do that by myself. It's a need I cannot fulfill. I have to call Tammy and say, Tammy, my poor puppy, you remember. And then she says, I'm so sorry. And I know how you feel about it. she can't fix my pain. Um, and she can, but she can fix my desire to act out because comforting and supporting, that's what we don't get as addicts. We run away from our feelings and we never get to the point of, oh, I need this. Oh, I need that. We disappear from that. So anyway, all I'm really saying to you is everything you're going through is bringing up some emotional needs. And that's your, that is why you want to act out. Um, I think like Tammy said, Go back to SLAA and bring those issues with you and take a look around there and talk about what's going on right now. By the way, there are no easy answers to this. Um, I can't fix it for you. It depends on what your history is and where it came from. So Tammy and I often throw out general ideas um, that may not be specific to your question. Um, we're just trying to make something generalizable for everybody. So I threw in, uh, I typed in the answers. So Troy Love's work is all about those attachment wounds, the betrayal wound, the abandonment wound, the neglect wound. There's all, all of those. And I think that will really resonate with you. I didn't mention, but Enid, he did a, a podcast with Dr. Rob on sex, love, and addiction, um, as did Enid Gray, who wrote Neglect the Silent Abuser. Great book. Um, she has a podcast uh, with Dr. Rob, too. But Troy Love um, has a betrayed partners group of uh, for women on alternating I think he has some male partners too but anyway he's got his on alternating Thursdays and then he does a men's group for addicts on Fridays but he does the webinar with us um, on the fourth Wednesday of the month so you'll find those in the previously recorded I resonate so much with getting wounds poked and having the language to go this is what you know this is what's happening I can use my executive brain and and think about it so I don't have to just be going oh my gosh I have to escape I have to feel in and so um, I think the more you connect, I'm glad you're here. Keep sharing, like Dr. Rob said, SLAA, the women's group tomorrow night, any of those resources, just be you, share where you're at. And in the sharing, I really do think, you know, it'll, it'll take it down a few notches too. So, okay, next question. 
Oh, I just wrote a, a book that I thought was helpful about trauma called It's Not Me, It's What Happened to Me yes. by Dr. Christine Courtois. She's a friend. I think it's a really good book. I also wrote down feelings are not facts. Feelings pass. And, and that desire to act out will go away. Um, and acting on it ain't going to leave your head for a very long time. We're going to say time. So, well, so he put it into the, I'm going to repost that to everyone. Sorry. So I'm getting it there. So, well, that's that one. So um, let me see if I can copy this. Um, anyway, so, I so I'll, do, the next I'll do this while while with the next question. So, okay. okay. The next question, is it possible for a recovering addict to have a healthy relationship involving shared sexual kink? What role would a kink play in recovery or at all? When is it safe? So let me explain what kink is. It's like a, a fetish. So someone's into uh, um, leather, they're into lace, they're into panties, they're into feet. You know, people have different forms of desire that aren't all traditional. So, um, and we do not treat that as uh, something being wrong with someone. So if you're a man who likes to lick women's feet or a woman who likes to, you know, take a whip to a man once in a while, or, you know, we don't really... Uh, or if you're a man and you want to be with men, you know, in the same way, we don't pathologize or apply pathology to what arouses you. We can apply pathology to some of the ways you act it out, but we don't necessarily apply pathology because you enjoy this or you enjoy that. And a lot of people, I'm explaining other stuff related to this. A lot of people will come to us and say, oh, I'm really into S&M and I hate that. That must be sex addiction. It's like, well, no, that actually is kink. That's a fetish. That's part of what arouses you. And you need to see how that you can integrate your life into a healthy way. So when I think about 12-step recovery related to sexual issues, I think about how can I integrate healthy sexuality into my life? And healthy sexuality varies from person to person. For some people, it's, it's a couple who just do you know the basics. And for other people, it's something like this. So what role does kink play? I think you can have it. I think you can incorporate it. I think you can enjoy it. I think it's safe when you're being honest with each other. Uh, now, if it brings up the desire to act out, that's probably not a good thing and it needs to be examined. I think to be very clear, one of the issues with kink in my experience with men in particular is part of what we like about the kink is the newness of it. And doing it with the same person regularly, especially if someone we love is harder. Um, because it's a fantasy. Kink is about fantasy. And so um, it, it, it will take a lot of communication, a lot of discussion. But here's the thing. It's not going away. Like no matter what happens, this is what turns this person on. And so if you're going to stay together and you don't want either one of you to be acting out, you have to find a place for it in your relationship. And I'll give you one little example. Um, I worked with someone who wasn't really into what her spouse did. But while he was doing it, she would hold him. She would stroke his hair. She would be with him in an intimate way, even though she didn't particularly want to do the act that he wanted to do. Um, so safe means doesn't bring you to acting out. Safe means you trust the person. They're not going to take it anywhere you don't feel safe. Um, safe means it's all communicated and it's all open and honest. Um, safe means you've shared it with your sponsor and you've shared it with your therapist and you're sharing it with us. But to say, I'm going to get rid of that because it's too exciting or too, it's not going to be gotten rid of. It's more how you deal with it. Okay. Thank you. 
Okay, next question. I'm having trouble co-regulating with my wife. She gets triggered by mm -hmm. anything and I know how the mind wanders as I try to co-regulate it and bring her back. I repeatedly fall on my sword, but about a half hour or so she doesn't come back. I start to get attacked by my past behaviors. I know 16 weeks of true honesty, honest recovery does not make up for 16 years of abuse. What would be the best course of action moving forward? I'm smiling now. Well, why don't you start? Uh, I'm having a hard time because I have the vision of I'm falling on my sword and she's not. And, and uh, so. Well, that's so why I, I see, tell them in treatment. I tell them to fall on their oh, sword. That is actually oh, yeah. something. I, okay. But I'm going like, okay, it feels like, I, yeah. So what I hear is, and I wonder about the true honesty. I mean, because like you don't sw flip a switch and then become you know, truly honest and be careful with how truly honest, because if it's only 16 weeks, have you done a, a, you know, therapeutic disclosure with professionals? What are you doing? I don't hear anything about what you're doing, you know, for your recovery. So just stopping the behavior doesn't change things. Um, and, and what we tell, we started with this earlier is you each need your own support. This is very, very early in the process. So you getting your support, her having her support and navigating the spaces between you, but, um, but you, you, I mean, you're, you're showing you, you can't be her support and, and even co-regulating. I mean, it's really early. She's betrayed. She's angry. She, her job as Dr. Rob often says is to be angry for the first year. So, um, so uh, it's impossible. You're, you're stopping the behavior is the start point for you, but she's lagging behind because she's had discovery and all the stuff for 16 years that she thought was true is now she's learned it's not true. And what's her reality? It's so confusing and painful. And um, so, so, I, but since you tell the guys to fall on their sword, tell me more, because to me, this felt a little dramatic, like, oh, I'm falling on my sword and she's not, you know, well, not appreciating it. So. Out of the doghouse is about stop wielding your sh your sword and put it in the ground and okay. fall on it because you, you know. okay. But that's a different. I put I figured out how to do this. I put uh, the Wikipedia definition for co-regulation in the box in case anybody wanted to understand what that was about. Co-regulation is really a concept of uh, a couple learning when emotionally, physically, on every level, really learning to observe their partner to when their partner is struggling with something. Okay. And, you know, it could be a move of the lips. It could be a twitch of the eyes. It could be that they get angry. It could be whatever. And I, as a partner, observe that you are not regulated. You are not happy. You are unhappy in some way. And what I know about you in therapy is how, what things help you to feel more comfortable. I have learned these four things are what help you when you're not regulated. And so by by doing the things for you, because I notice what you're going through and I know these things will almost always help, I can help regulate you, mean calm down. On the other hand, I might be really agitated. Well, you're really agitated and you might, we might have to come together and you're making me feel better. I'm making you feel better. And we're bringing things back down together to a place where we can really connect and talk about them. Um, you are not ready for co-regulation. <laughs> That's what I was smiling at is like 16 weeks is not co-regulation. Co-regulation is two years into the healing of this. You, what I hear is, uh, I don't want my wife to be so angry. And how do I get her to be less angry? And why don't the tools that other couples use to make each other feel better work on us? Because she doesn't trust you. You have violated 
the, the, the foundation of your relationship, you are the last person on the planet that she's going to be co-regulated by. And guess what made her dysregulated? You, you and your behavior is what dysregulated her. So that's right now to help her regulate her emotions. That's the job of a therapist. That's the job of a sponsor. That's the job of one of the support groups the, for partners that we do for free, by the way. Um, you, you cannot regulate her on any level. And if you try, by the way, it's angering for the partner because it puts them in a dilemma. Well, you're kind of being nice to me and I feel good, but I'm so furious and you ruined my life. Should I be nice to your back or... So anyway, um, that is co-regulation in a nutshell. By the way, Tammy, the leading person who teaches co-regulation and writes about it is Dr. Tafkin. So here's um, a re... this is back to the person that wants to know the names. Sorry, I meant to say my husband says, I don't know who his, the, his acting partners are. So the, the wife does not know who they are. At disclosure, he didn't say their names, but it's a year later and I still want to know the names. So I stand by what will it serve? And like Dr. Rob was saying, if you're scratching this itch now, then, then you're going to know the names. Then you're going to go look at Facebook and then you're going to do what, and then you're going to call the husband. Like you're, you know, if he is, truly showing you that he's making progress at some point letting go of those things those details you know i understand you want to know safety but uh, every if it's i'm making this up if it's if it's mary then every mary you meet you're going to go is that mary or every time you hear the word mary like i said somebody called me and one of she knew the acting out person was tammy it wasn't me um but um like that was a trigger for her so you know why do you want to i mean i get you want you want to know but you know what will it really serve i think it will keep you in this you know downward spiral rather than being able to move forward yeah i I always think if we're anchored you know still tethered to you know all this garbage from the past you know you know we're we're dragging it along as we try to move forward so any other thoughts on that well, I put this, by the way, if you see me go away for a minute, I'm not leaving you guys. What I'm doing is looking online for things to send that I think are important. And I just sent the link to uh, a, a saying by a, 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 an author poet. And she talked about, we see this often in recovery circles. It'll be on a little thing and it'll say, you know, uh, it's about uh, finding a hole in the street. And, you know, the first time you just walk down the street, you fall in that hole, you know, and then the second time i don't know tammy you see the hole but you end up falling in anyway and the third time you see the hole and you go down a different street and that's the process that i'm listening to is like there's a process of letting go of this but you're still falling in the hole and now if it were me and i was doing disclosure those names would have come out a year ago Uh, i would have made my worked with a person to say who are these people especially you know that would have been important to me but not their last names but there was this person named Jeanette when we were in Hawaii and I paid her you know like that um the only names you must know is if you know one of these people and I think I love what Tammy said it's like it's like a rock rolling downhill you get those names and then you're going to start to this and that and before you know it you're going to be a year back um so will the relationship um, however, I want to validate, I completely understand as much as I can, your desire to know those names and, and that you would feel safer if you knew what they were. And, and again, if your spouse has not told you the name of someone you know, or would ever come across, that would be an absolute bottom line for me. We got to go back to therapy and talk about that. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction. If our words have led you to seek help, please reach out. You can always find us at www.seekingintegrity.com.